Hey, Cody. Hello. Do you know what the average cost of a hooker is in 2022? I could say on average at least a crack rock and possibly 25 bucks. I'm, a, I'm surprised that you knew that off the top of your head. I'm not saying that I can speak from experience, but... You know a cheaper way to attract the opposite sex? How? Go to turnbuckleboogie.com, click on the gimmick table, and buy yourself a Turnbuckle Boogie t-shirt. That way, you'll be attractive, and uh, men will be passing out, and women will be getting the vapors. You'll look cool, and we over here at Turnbuckle Boogie will make a couple of bucks. And I will put the bucks in my pockets. Let's boogie! Welcome to Turnbuckle Boogie. I am professional wrestling historian Timothy Styles, and with me is professional wrestler Cutthroat Cody Hancock. Yes, that is I. Hello, how are you? Good evening. Yeah, welcome to season three. First episode of season three. Yeah, and I can hear the crowd cheering in my head as we're going. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is at the end of season one, the very next week, I said, well, we got to jump right into it. Right back into season two. Yes. And immediately I regretted it. I was like, oh, God. Uh, I should have <laughs> took a break. Yeah. You know, because you talk about wrestling so much, you can get burnt out on it. Yes, you you absolutely can. And I know I certainly do. I get burnt out. The problem is, is familiarity beget negativity. Yes. And I like pro wrestling, but every now and then talking about it so much... I start watching with a hypercritical eye and I start going, oh, look at that. I could see so-and-so slapping their thigh or whatever, you know, whatever dumb shit. And it's yes. like, if I were the booker, that's when you start getting into fantasy scenarios. <laughs> if I were the booking this shit, I would be putting on a better show than so-and-so. And, and then, then at that point, you might as well just check out for a little bit. That's what I'm saying. And I regretted after season one not taking a break. This time, after we finished uh, Boogie Mania 2, and we hit the end of season two, uh, and I apologize, folks, we didn't announce it, but we decided, well, let's take a break, because I need a, to refresh a little bit. All the, you know, 33 weeks straight of talking wrestling every single week, you know, you get to that point. Yes. You know, uh, there's no, at this point, there's no way I can enjoy the WWE. They're just completely off the radar. Yes. It's kind of sad, too, because they have some great workers there, but I don't consider them a pro wrestling show. And I don't think that they, they would even consider themselves a pro wrestling show. Oh, they would be the first to be like, yeah, we're, you know, whatever. That's so. the goal, pal. <laughs> Well, look, they got Finn Balor and uh, Becky Lynch tucked away there. Uh, you know, there's some great personalities and performers there, but good God, I can't watch it. Sadly, actually, this might be an interesting topic to talk about. You know, in the wake of the, we'll call it the Wednesday Night Wars, I don't think that's really caught on, and I hope it doesn't because I'm tired of stupid buzz phrases. Yes. But in the wake of that, I mean, they really... Uh, between AEW 
and uh, NXT really cut a huge chunk of the independence, you know, out. Yeah. So to speak. So, uh, and this is a weird comment to say, seeing as how I'm sitting with an indie wrestler, because it's going to sound insulting. I hope it's not. Is, you know, now we're left with a sort of a reset where we have a lot of people on the independent scene who just don't have the clout or whatever. I know that you're, you know, obviously someone of importance, you're a trainer and you're, you're, you're building. It'd be nice if you got to that level, but you know, there's a lot of very young, very green people out there, which I'm sure you could attest to there. There's, it's an exciting time, but it's also a difficult time because it's a rebuilding time. Yes. There are a lot of wrestlers and I don't think there's anything wrong with being green and there will be, um, plenty of people on the indies right now who will end up being put in situations to where they are going to be able to find success. Mm -hmm. And it's only a matter of time, but right now there's on the indies, there's so many multi-man matches (laughs) right? and scrambles and phrase. It makes sense because wrestling is, to at least from the outside looking in pretty popular again. So you yes. get a, you get a flux of new people and a way to get all these young people on the card and get them some experience is to go, all right, we're having an eight man, you know, fucking thing. And it's like, Oh Lord. Yeah. And it's challenging because then you are stressed to figure out how are you going to stand out and a scenario that has no build behind it. It's just, we're just going to put this match together. Right. And it's creating, uh, some really challenging scenarios to be faced with. If you are entertained, the idea of entering Mm -hmm. professional wrestling. Right. And there's, there's obstacles for sure. But at the same time, it is an exciting time because, I was actually talking to Tom Lawler about this over filthy Tom, filthy Tom Lawler. I was speaking with him, uh, during the full tilt weekend and he was saying it's crazy because now there's an opportunity to actually make a living on the independence. Right. If you do it in a smart way. Hmm. I wonder what that is. Uh, well, Tom seems to be doing very well. So he's got, he's also like a celebrity who starts a podcast and he's like, I don't know why everyone doesn't do this. It's like, well, you're a fucking celebrity. Right. You know, he's a former mixed martial artist with a name. He, he can walk in at a, in the independent scene as a mid carter to start. Yeah. You know? And his stars on the rise for sure. Sure. And however, he's not necessarily wrong. I mean, I haven't had a legitimate job and it has been a year. Hey, and happy anniversary. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Right. And But you've also been doing it for how long? Uh, 14. 14 years. Yeah. So, and regardless, I, I'm thankful, I'm grateful. Right. And there's a lot of opportunities that are on the horizon for me. Some I cannot discuss on air quite yet because... Right. No procrastinating. Yeah, I'm I'm a big believer. Sometimes if you speak something out loud, it dissipates before your very eyes. And Well, uh, I'm a big proponent of stop 
procrastinating. Someone asked, yeah. uh, a, a journalist asked me once, like, hey, what are you working on? And I was like, I got a whole album coming out, blah, blah, blah. And that shit fell apart because I had a one-year-old that I had to deal with. Yep. And I look like an asshole. So now, as a rule of thumb, I don't talk about something unless it's uh, a matter of fact. Yes. And I started a new weekly series on my Instagram called training with CTC. Mm -hmm. And every week, every Thursday, uh, there's going to be a little tiny video anywhere between a minute and 30 seconds to possibly four minutes long, breaking down, uh, holds and training techniques and things of that nature. It's so strange to me. Not that the, 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 uh, uh, I started listening to a, uh, an episode of Bill Maher's podcast today where he was uh, rapping with uh, some TikTok star, you know, some kid with uh, 14 and a half million followers. Brilliant. You know, I listened to his whole process and it's just like, this guy's an entertainer, but only for like uh, 60 seconds at a time or whatever the time frame is. And it's like fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not my thing. I'd rather I'd rather die than be limited in that sort of creative capacity. I'm not necessarily trying to limit myself. There's going to be other services that I'm going to offer once there's more of an incentive to watch. I'm not saying that about you. Oh, I'm just course. saying as a general. I remember Vine. Mm-hmm. This well, is when t- I, Vine Vine basically is TikTok. I know. But when Vine came out, I was like, hey, I'm going to get in on this. And I made just, there's a puppet version or a Muppet version of me in this room. Yes. And I just made a bunch of fucking <laughs> Muppet videos. I uh, wish I could have seen these. They were all just essentially me uh, having a hallucination of talking to my Muppet self. <laughs> It was stupid. Uh, anyway, it, it, it accomplished nothing in retrospect. But uh, anyway, but the point is, is um, ev- for every one of you on the on the independent scene or uh, for every Hammerstone or any number of people who are, uh, we'll say, below AEW and WWE and uh, can I say Ring of Honor? Who knows where that's at? I, developing. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like there's 35, uh, you know, mildly trained people getting in the ring. I have to openly admit, like, I'm not the hugest fan right now, but yeah. I'd love to get into it. But uh, my palate can only handle so many stinky matches. Actually, my palate can only handle so many good matches. Yes. You, you know, the Ramones are a great band, but I can only listen to three songs at a time. I'm actually, you're, you're talking about being burnt out. This weekend, because uh, we are coming off the tails of having Double or Nothing in Vegas. Uh, which, I should say, I was uh, very close to the ring at. Yeah, and I saw the pictures. You looked like you had a good time. Bro, I had a great time. Excellent. And thank God, too, because, I mean, it's 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 about what I was talking about. You know, wrestling has been fun on and interesting on television for some time, but... It's it's been uh, in a sustaining sort of pattern of all right. I'm kind of getting bored or whatever. Yep. And I needed a good live show to really excite me. And uh, AEW's Double or Nothing 2022 was uh, just the right show. There was uh, some fun shit on that show. I had yep. a great time. And that's, I uh, unfortunately you invited me. 
Mm. Uh, and <laughs> I, I invited you, not uh, knowing that you weren't going, and because you're a pro wrestler, and anytime there's a pay per view, every indie promotion within uh, 300 miles has to set up a show in that city. And they they call them collective weekends now, right. and they're exciting weekends. And there was one of the highlights of this weekend was actually getting to meet another trainer mm. uh, from WXW. Is, aren't they out of Germany? Or they something? are, yeah. and uh, the gentleman's name is the Rotation, and he was actually trained by Walter. Right. So he, I wish that guy would train more people. Yeah, borderline wizardry. Yeah, when it came to the stuff that he was doing. Yeah. And we had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time in the ring with him. And we picked up some really, really, really cool stuff. And hopefully he'll be able to come back to the state soon. And that was really fun. Yeah. Uh, there was, I think a total of eight shows across four days, All right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I attended five of the shows. I only wrestled on two. But I still, pretty much every day I was in the ring training or working or helping somebody with something. Mm -hmm. And I am still feeling the effects of those four days. I And I live here, and I couldn't even begin to imagine. There was people that wrestled upwards to six or seven times right. in that weekend. And I, I don't even know if I want to look at a wrestling ring right now for at least... <laughs> A solid 48 hours. Maybe they got a really light wrestling style. Maybe they all, maybe they're like big Miz fans. Well, no, <laughs> they, that's the crazy part is, is that all the shows, everyone was going as hard as they possibly could. Trying to show out. Trying to show out because that's, and especially if you get booked on a card. Right. Right. You got to go out there. Right. Uh Jay and I went up against violence is forever. And that was a really hard hitting match. And the GCW show, the rotation did some pretty spectacular, uh, things off of very large things. And it was not one person on any of those shows phoned it in. Right. They all worked insanely hard. So, I even saw Joe DeFalco on Facebook today. He posted, man, that last week has me tired. I feel like shit. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Joe, you and every other person that it was a part of those week uh, or the weekend, but it was a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. And he never had time. to take one shot. Right. Right. <laughs> he is the promoter of FSW out here in Las Vegas. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. And while you were doing that, I was sitting, uh, up close and enjoying, uh, some delicious catering, uh, at T-Mobile arena watching double or nothing. What'd you eat? Uh, there were chicken wings yes. and you know me, you I'm, are a chicken wing aficionado. I've uh, declared war on all chickens <laughs> and you are uh, no longer safe. I reap the spoils. Yes. Yes. <laughs> In every engagement. You know, it's like one of these old Vietnam movies where guys are cutting each other's ears off and hanging them around a necklace. Yes. You know, these are how many, oh, I shouldn't say a terrible uh, uh, epithet, you know, uh, Vietnamese ears. Yes. <laughs> it was like, a point in time. It's like me and chicken bones. Yes. All those tiny little, uh, you know, drumsticks. Those are my bag. There it is. 
Some people go for the two bone ones. The flats. The flats. You like the drums. I like the drums because you can you can eat those with just two fingers. Flats, you gotta double hand them. I'll eat whatever I can get. I I try not to make a mess. My next guest uh, has a heart uh, that is as big as the man himself. He's got the strength of maybe three or four men, and the good part about it is he isn't aggressive. He's the original gentle giant, and with all of this strength, it's surprising. Being a tall man myself, I'm always used to uh, not looking down on, but looking down to people when I have to talk to them. And, uh, but this afternoon, I met this guy. <laughs> it's all changed now. I know how everybody else feels. Anyway, you'll see what I mean when he comes out here. I think you're going to like meeting him. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant. Here you got him. All right, is this chair right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, just got to check. It's okay. All right. <laughs> you checked it out to say, where are you from uh, originally, uh, Andre? I'm from France. Yes, in yeah. Grenoble, France, in the French Alps. Do you, in the French Alps? Yeah. Ah. Was it always apparent uh, that you were going to be tall? Did you know you were going to be. Uh... Well, first, I, I don't know I'm going to be tall because my mother is 5'2, my father is 6'2. Mm. But when I. I started going to school, I was bigger than all the kids. And uh, yeah. when I was nine years old, my father started to talk to me and he said, don't worry, he said, uh, my father was seven feet eight. He said, you'll probably be the same size. Your grandfather was seven foot eight? Yes. Oh my goodness. But, and did that worry you that you might uh, exceed seven feet? Uh? First, I wasn't thinking that way. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't. But, but why now I have to say that I like it? Because mm. with that, the size I have, and I started to be involved in the sports, and mm. with that, I'm traveling all over the world and make lots of people. And there, there, there seems to be a, there seems to be a line uh, or a, a, a place in time where being tall, seven foot or in excess of seven foot, uh, no longer meant that you were going to be uh, a freak of nature, but that you could actually really do things. Uh, Lots of times, uh, I would suppose, well, I don't know when it would be, let's say pre-1945 or something, if someone was taller than that, uh, seven foot or something, they were awkward, or they couldn't handle things. But you are very athletic and very well coordinated as well, uh, I notice. Uh, yeah, I'm in the sports, I'm uh, nine years old. Mm. What sports did you play? Uh? I used to play soccer, then I was in rugby, come in boxing, mm. and now I'm in wrestling for 15 years. You like wrestling? I love it. Yes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you must love it if you win all the time. What's it going to hurt? <laughs> they, uh, someone said today that uh, you are the highest paid uh, or the highest paid wrestler in the world. Is that the truth? Huh? Right. Oh, yes. That's in the Guinness Book. In the Guinness Book of Records? Yes. Yes, as being the highest. What are, what are the disadvantages, uh, Andre? Uh, what happens when you get, uh, for example, on an airplane? Uh? An airplane is okay because I'm traveling first class all the time. Right. Oh, sure. Who's well, going to argue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... The disadvantage is sometimes, like, I go checking in a hotel or motel to find a bed big enough for me. Mm. Or when I'm traveling with a car, mm. my now all those cars are so small, like, I need two cars. That's <laughs> right. That's, that's, they make economy cars now, small ones. They yeah. travel first. You can't even get in it. They, they want to save the energy, but there's no way to live. There's no way for the giant to live anymore. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Well, you can put one car in each foot. Yeah. Be all right. <laughs> Skate around wherever you want to go. 
Do you have a, 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 a... We were talking this afternoon. A fellow said you had trouble with taxi cabs when you went to the East. Oh, that was in Malaysia one time, yeah, because it, it, nobody wanted to stop. So I was with the down middle. So I just... Uh, I told him I said, I'm going to step behind the pole, so just stop the taxi. But it takes you time to get inside, so that's why I sneak on the back door. <laughs> the cab stops for him, and then you sneak in the cab? Yeah. <laughs> so now when I'm inside the cab, the taxi driver just get, take out the car and check all the tires. <laughs> <laughs> so now he takes us in the hotel, and when we do ready to pay them. We ask him how much he is, and we see the counter. He charges double. I ask him, how come it's double? He said, oh, you're a big guy. You have to pay double. Yeah. <laughs> Got to pay for two people. Yeah. yeah it's not fair. You, uh, you left home at a very early age to go out and pursue your own career. What were you? You're living on a farm. Yeah, and uh, that's why, you see, when I started coming very big, and everybody's the where I was in the school, where I was working with my father, everything, everybody said you should do that, you should do that, you should do that, but it's hard to do it. So you have to do it yourself. You have to, to think about one thing and just try to do it the right way. Mm. So when I, in France, the first time I finished school, I finished school at 14 years old, and a month later I take off, I left my family. Mm. And I said to my father, I said, I don't want to live in a farm all my life. I want to, to do something different. And uh, that time my father agreed with that. He said, OK. He said, hey, you do it in your own, uh, own business. If you want to leave, just go. Right. He said, well, I'll give you two weeks, and you'll be back. Yeah. So what did, what did you work at when you left? Oh, I did everything. Yeah? Everything. And all at once, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I tried, I tried to do, I tried to make a living, I tried to make a money, and I, I want to be somebody. Because when I left my house, when I left my family, I told him, I said, look, if I make some money, you see me, you see me again. But if I don't make any money, you never see me again. <laughs> yeah. And I left, and I tried everything I got in Paris, and finally, someday, I, I met some people, and I talked with them, and... They, they, they put me in the right way, I think, yeah. because I was starting to go, to do it in the wrong way. But those people that talked to me and they understand what I did, but... Yeah, they set you on the right that, road, you Yeah, mean. all yeah. that was for five years. I never called my family, I never get back to see my family, nothing. They don't know what happened to me. And I even changed my name. Mm. So five years later, that was where I was. I was Already a star. I play in a movie. I play in a TV series. And I was, I was a wrestler. And even my my parents, there was a big fan of me. You know, and they saw me on TV, but they don't know. Your I parents were a fan, and they didn't know it was you. No, because oh, I changed my name. Oh, I see. Yeah. And five years later, finally, I decided to go back home because I think I can make enough money to go back home. Yeah. So one day I come home, and when I knock the door, two days before, was wrestling on TV. And I was on. Uh, my parents saw me too. They saw you wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So when I knocked on the door, my brother opened the door, and when she saw me, she can't believe it. Two days before, I was on TV. Now I'm there. Yeah. But she don't make the difference. I was a son, so she closed the door right away. Take her almost ten minutes to open the door again. <laughs> How long did it take you to convince me you were you were the son? Oh, but after that, I started to play a little game with him. I, I just come, when they open the door again, I just ask, uh, 
about their son, what he is. About their son, yeah. 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 But that was me. I asked a question about me. Well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> so finally they told me what happened, and uh, they said, uh, but I come, we saw you on TV two days ago, <laughs> and I, I come here today to ask about, you, uh, about uh, my son. But like, I have to say one thing before I left home. We used to talk uh, Polish in the house. Mm. We not talk too much French. Uh, mm. We used to talk Polish. So after a while, after I think the game was long enough, so I started to talk Polish with them. Now they <laughs> and they realized it was you. Now they realized it was me. Fantastic. But that was a big surprise because even when you asked me the, those questions this afternoon, yeah. it's one thing I don't tell you. One time I was in the, walking on the farm with my father, and I saw that guy come to see the, my, my boss, and he come with a Rolls Royce with a chauffeur. Rolls Royce, yeah. And I said to my dad, that time I was 11 years old, I said to my dad, someday I'll get a car like this. Do you have one? And he said, uh, keep, uh, quit, dream, quit dreaming, uh, keep walking. <laughs> so, but that day, when I come back home, yeah. I ran the Rolls Royce for two days. <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought about it. <laughs> But anyway, the show was fantastic. I mean, it was long, and uh, <laughs> I'll say the what was it called? The uh, 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 it was something in the uh, arena, something crazy in the arena, whatever it was. It was Chris Violence Jericho in the arena, or uh, whatever yeah, something. It was. Um, anarchy in the arena. Anarchy in the in the arena. <laughs> I like that. I couldn't think of it. Uh, but yeah, it was the Jericho Appreciation Society, and uh, and uh, who was it? The Blackpool Combat Club, where I left with a shirt. Uh, yes, because I had to leave with something. Um, and Eddie Kingston and uh, Santana and Ortiz, and it was. I mean, I I, I think I text James Mattern, who, by the way, folks, his special is out. And uh, as this airs, I believe, yes, uh, should be available on YouTube. Go check it out. The check spot on YouTube, James Mattern. But I was texting him like, this is the most New Jack ECW shit that I've ever seen. Uh, and I've been around a long time. It was exciting because I was standing, you know, I'd look over one shoulder and there was, you know, Santana and Ortiz erecting a ladder and, and, and blood and shit and all kinds of stuff flying everywhere over the other shoulder was john moxley and somebody else and and then across the arena was you know daniel bryant and the music was going for a huge chunk of time the whole time uh not the whole time because at a certain point chris jericho uh (laughs) he did something great where he found the soundboard and went see this i hate rock and roll whatever he said because i didn't watch the broadcast but he smashed it and stopped the music. <laughs> I just like the the idea that the the old butt rocky guy who's who's in a a, a band is yep. an old curmudgeon who hates rock and roll. <laughs> if you're too loud, if it's too loud, you're too old. That's right. Uh, it was a funny gimmick, but yeah, wild show. And then I, of course, I got to see CM Punk uh, win a championship, which was my entire reason for hounding my wife for tickets because. Uh, we know somebody, so to speak. 
Yes. Basically. It's nice to have friends. Well, her company has a a bunker at T-Mobile Arena. That's how we're able to get some fancy pants glass seats at uh, hockey games and whatever. I was like, yo, AEW pay-per-view and CM Punk's in the main event for the title. Get me those fucking tickets. I don't care if I go by myself. Thankfully, I didn't. Um, But... uh, and I, got, I want to speak on this, actually, for a minute, because I did post something on Instagram on the account. You know, the account went silent uh, post uh, uh, the end of our second season. But being a wrestling fan, it's interesting. When the Attitude Era ended, and I consider when Mick Foley retired basically to be that, uh, I my interest kind of waned. For a chunk of time, the 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 major stars that drove that company drifted away, and they tried to replace their baby faces with the people who were their top heels for you know the previous few years. Kurt Angle, Triple H, yep. and it just wasn't it wasn't the same. You know, they're both great heels. Yes, but I think they're kind of fucking whack baby faces. Yeah, Kurt Angle's I, a little fun. I think Angle can get away with it. Mm, it's interesting. The milk truck stuff, and then yeah. later TNA Impact Super Serious Kurt Angle. Yeah, that's great. Um, but his work as the goofy little cowboy hat yes. idi- idiot is miles ahead of everything he ever did. I agree with that. Because it was so entertaining. And he can go in and put a, uh, do a good match on top of that. But there was this long stretch where the... Uh, uh, stretch of time where I just stopped watching every single week just because my interest had waned. And then eventually, around about the time that John Cena really started taking off, I really just tuned out altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember CM Punk basically debuting with ECW around that time. The thing that actually brought me back was that initial summer of Punk. And it felt like six years later. It was this huge chunk of time where I had no idea what was going on there because I thought that the ruthless aggression era, as they've now branded it and try to make catch on, I thought it was kind of lame. There were some good wrestlers, but it, no, for me, no stars of the caliber of a Steve Austin. Right. You know, and I don't think anyone will really argue with that. They'll say it was good, and I'm sure that it was, but there was no one at that level. I. It's not an argument, but for me, I did prefer the ruthless aggression era because there seemed to be a priority on in ring, right. uh, and I'm an in ring type of guy. So yeah, for you me, fast forward over promos. Yes, it was it was my thing. But then it got worse post Chris Benoit's death. Yes, I agree with slash that. murder because I'm mean, well. Look, they had to do it. They had to go. All right. We need, you know, we're a publicly traded company now. We need to quit fucking around and doing all this head trauma. And we're under a lot of scrutiny here. Let's change our image. Let's clean things up and let's hit the reset button and go PG. I understand why it is they did it, but uh, I'm an adult man. I ain't going to watch that shit. And it was fucking terrible. Yeah. But CM Punk for a brief moment, ironically, in Las Vegas, I didn't watch it live. You know, gives the, the the pipe bomb that everyone knows. And all of a sudden, things become interesting again. And 
I'm on board. Some of my friends who also walked away were also on board. Things were exciting again. Up until he walked away, and then it's been, I don't know, not diminishing returns, but like I felt like the WWE essentially drug me by the dick for about 10 years. Yeah. You know, they... They'd squeeze in all this terrible shit that they like to do, but then they'd go, well, here's an indie guy or two that you respect, and that's enough to keep you around. Yes. And it worked for the most part, but it also inspired a rebellion in the independent scene and with New Japan and Ring of Honor, and that led to, um, you know, uh, NXT, AEW, which, you know, I think we'll go, we'll look back on that period of NXT and go, what a golden era that was, you know, years from now. Kind of just to rewind back just a little bit before NXT was actually what we enjoy uh, when it was the, the reality, the reality show and Daniel Bryan was on it. Such a joke. Yeah. And the whole entire time, Michael Cole's on commentary. He's an internet darling. What a nerd. And and by the way, he the just while, celebrated his 25th anniversary, Michael Cole. Congratulations. Boo to you, man. So, <laughs> but, and, and granted, I'm sure these lines were being fed to him. Sure, like, of course. I, I don't have the same Michael Cole hatred due to the fact is, is that I know that the reason why he has been t- around for 25 years is because he's a meat puppet. Yeah. Like somebody speaks through his ass and then it comes out of his mouth. Right. He gets paid a lot of money to do it. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I can't necessarily fault him. It's a human centipede type of thing. Uh, <laughs> but so, and just this narrative that they created about somebody who is now looked at as what he should have been looked at back then as one of the greatest professional wrestlers in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was, they were trying to not make that happen. They did not want Brian Danielson to be that guy. Well, that's, I mean, we, the, People knew that at the time. You don't even need to to be reflective to know that. Right. You know, they really were squashing his momentum, and it's part of the reason why Punk left in the first place. Yes. Because he felt that his position had been uh, squandered, and it was. And he recognized that Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, it's his time now, and he's being pushed down, and it was. Yes. And the people also knew that. And they pushed back. And they revolted. Right. And that was one of, I still will sing the praises of WWE for that because they realized they had to go with the wave of the ocean. Right. And it, the wave they fought was it tidal. for a while. Oh, they fought it for a while, but the wave was tidal. And that, that whole entire buildup to that WrestleMania where he ended up wrestling Triple H first in order to get the title match. I want to interject one thing. I do feel bad for one person. Hmm. Dave Batista. <laughs> yeah. Cause he comes back and you know, they're, they're, they're they probably pitched him like, yeah, we're going to push you to the moon. You're going to be the main event and all this shit. And he's probably like, great. I got a movie coming out soon. It's called guardians of the whatever. And, and people were like, you remember when he won it, people were like, he, I think he threw out, oh no, it was number 30 came out 
and it was Rey Mysterio. And people were like, boo! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor Dave Batista, who, in retrospect, now everyone goes, he's a pretty good guy. And which is unfortunate, because that also just goes to tell you, listen, I appreciate wrestling fans. Right. But you're not right all the time. Yeah, you're not right all the time. Just sit back and watch, you know, and... I think Batista definitely got the short end of the stick, but there was a brief period of time where he came back to NXT as a promotion and got this like monstrous pop. Right. So, and well, it, that was post you, guardians of the yeah, galaxy. You, he was a movie star. Yep, then. You fickle, fickle people. You, uh, well, that was Brian, uh, uh, Brian Danielson's thing. He yes. went through when he was, when he turned heel, his thing was calling the fans fickle. And that's what they are. They and we are we very fickle i do my best not to be you certainly try i mean we have the benefit of age and wisdom and maturity that you can't say that for every human being that walks into an arena absolutely not or uh owns a smartphone (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's funny they call them smartphones (laughs) i guess i never thought about that that's pretty funny but look, after all this time, you know, look, the the first season of our show, I must have been episode two or three, I named an episode, I said, we're doing CM Punk, and that was me admitting to myself, this guy's done, he's not coming back. Because that and used to be a rule for the show. What? That we would always pick the name of somebody that is either deceased or retired. R- correct. And there was always this... Especially on the internet with all the fans like, oh, is punk going to show up? But at a certain point, it was like, what are we, eight years later whatever? This is ridiculous. I'm calling it. I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm saying this motherfucker is retired. He's officially out and I'm not, you know, going to hold my breath anymore. And uh, and then lo and behold, he comes back. Yep. And. You know, not the most graceful guy anymore. He, you know, he's. I could tell between tonight and his matches, his. uh, I think his knees probably feel like we're the exact same age. He and I. Yeah. His knees probably feel like my knees feel like. I'm not saying when people go like, "Oh, he botched because he tried to do that." Uh, You go do it. You wrestle for fucking 25 minutes and and attempt to do that shit. Right, and I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but in all candor. Punk has never been uh, the most athletically inclined professional wrestler in the history of the world. Never. Uh, There was actually something that got taken off of YouTube and it was just called best in the world. Mm -hmm. And what it was, was clips from a Yushin Liger training seminar that happened at ring of honor. Mm -hmm. And Everyone was doing their beginning roles and punk was so sloppy with his roles. Right. And then later on went on to have a match with Sin Bodhi and he put his arms up taking a clothesline, which is pro wrestling sin. Right. You do not put your arms up when you take a clothesline. And it it's something that I, I will say that. I admire the fact that he he did his best with those buckshots. Right. He definitely did his best with those buckshots. But even I, the second that I heard that he attempted to do it and he failed twice, even without seeing the footage. Well, the second one was a reset. Yes. Tried it once and is, you know, there's a lot of, 
it's hard to explain the dynamics of what goes on. You slingshot yourself over the top rope yes. and do a sort of a front flip and try to land and carry. It's a front your... handspring, yes. Right, but you're 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 if you don't get your torso moving at a certain velocity, correct? You could just essentially land and crumple, you and, know, and that's what he did. And then he thought, uh, I'll give this another try. They went for a reset, tried it again and did it again. And the crowd went, ah, you know, whatever. But it's like, yo, fuck you. If memory serves me correct, he, he didn't do the buckshot lariat, but on the Indies, he would actually get into the ring like that. He would get on the ring apron and then he would slingshot himself in and he relied on a lot of momentum to carry him through. Right. Well, the, that's what is what it, what I'm talking about. Yes. You got to have momentum. But, you know, maybe you get older, you just don't get that momentum anymore. And look, I agree. He was never a great moves guy. No. Um, he was known for having these great hour-long, very paced, very hard-hitting Masawa-style matches with Samoa Joe and a number, you know, Brian Danielson, you know, these guys. He had a tremendous feud with Rest in Peace Jimmy Rave as well. Right. And um, but what he's really good at is, uh, and I would make an argument, it's more important than knowing how to flip everywhere, psychology and holding a stick. Absolutely. And that's what he made his name off of. And you know, to see him, uh, to be there in the building, see him win this title after this big, long absence, him being the reason that I came back to wrestling, him walking away, me sticking through it and being able to be there. It was a really nice moment. Yeah. And, and the, of course, the botches did not diminish the match whatsoever. Not for me. And yeah. if you're a fan who does think that, perhaps it's time you step away. Right. Because familiarity beget negativity. And you're at that breaking point. Or go ahead and try to do it yourself and, ah, see, yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Go uh, find a low fence out in a grassy field and uh, just give it your best shot. If you're in Vegas, come down to FSW on a Thursday night and I'll, uh, I'll treat you right. <laughs> on purpose I don't have to miss I believe you so what happens now we face each other as God intended sportsman life no tricks no weapons skill again skill wrong you mean you'll put down your rock and I'll put down my sword and we'll try and kill each other like civilized people I can kill you now frankly I think the odds are slightly in your favor at hand fighting it's my fault being the biggest and the strongest. I don't even exercise. Look, are you just fiddling around with me or what? I just want you to feel you're doing well. I hate for people to die on behalf. You're quick. And a good thing, too. Were you wearing a mask? Were you burned by acid or something like that? Oh, no, it's just they're terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. 
I just feared when you give me so much trouble. Why is that? Do you think? Well, I haven't fought just one person for so long. Been specializing in groups, battling gangs for local charities, that kind of thing. Why should that make such a difference? When you see. You use different moves when you're fighting. Half a dozen people. Then we only have to be one. How about one? I do not envy you the headache you will have when you awake. But in the meantime, rest well. Dream of large women. Well, I suppose we should talk about today's person of interest, uh, if only for a moment. Uh, today's episode is entitled Andre the Giant. Oh, I should mention this. Um, we may, after the end of season three, completely change formats. We don't know. Uh, that I'll say that um, we've done this format where we've named a you know uh, an episode after a wrestler who's retired or or has passed on. And I think after season two, I told you, of course, that uh, let's do this one more time and then we'll see where we're at. Yeah, if we need to end the show or we need to uh, change the format. We don't know where we're at right now. But with that in mind, we're going to do another 32 episodes, and then we're going to have Boogie Mania 3. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if this is the last 32 episodes, we're going to do this format where we're talking about a, you know, a specific wrestler. Let's throw all the best names in there. Yes. That's the point I'm getting at. And uh, I preloaded where I didn't do this before, but I, I went down a list of who's the best of the best that we've not covered yet. I'm not going to spoil any of the names, but I will say today is Andre the Giant. Yes. What are your thoughts on Andre the Giant off the top of your head? Uh, off the top of my head, not recognized for the innovations that he brought to the professional wrestling industry. I only know of one innovation. I don't know if it's an, I would call it an, actually, I, I don't know any innovations because I would say that the thing that he was known for behind the scenes is the concept of a special attraction that did not start with him. You know, there, there were big guys before him, you know, your haystacks, Calhouns and all this sort of jazz. That's something that dates back to, uh, the 19th century. Yes. You know, but Andre the Giant could not be, uh, you know, he was managed by Vince McMahon Sr. He could not just continue to wrestle week after week or I guess month after month at Madison Square Garden um, because he would be the world champion for 40 fucking years. Yes. So what he did instead was he loaned him out. And he was guaranteed a certain amount of money, and the whatever promoter picked him up also had to pay Vince McMahon Sr.'s booking fee. That's how he made money on the deal. And um, uh, and that was a way to keep it as a uh, special attraction. 
have them travel around, never get settled in a place for too long. And it was always exciting when Andre the Giant was, you know, in town. You know, yeah. people would talk, you know. Word of mouth was pretty much all you had back then. Yeah. When there's some seven foot tall fucking dude walking around your town, you knew about it. Oh, absolutely. And that was something that if you watch his early matches before he gained so much weight, right. uh, anything that predated him getting body slammed by Hogan, because everyone... Well, much further back than that. Yes. You know, he... I feel like he came to America somewhere around like 71. Yeah. Maybe 69, something like that. And, you know, he was still pretty limber at that point. You know, he was obviously very thin when he was uh, in Japan and still in Europe and all that sort of stuff. But um, it was that American lifestyle, brother, that uh, really uh, ended up catching up with him, sadly. Yeah. Where he really ballooned up and became immobile. And it, it it was incremental. But, uh, yeah, it's worth going back and watching his body of work. Uh, in the seventies, you mean it just in general, I would say, because he, he actually created the pedigree. Like people don't actually know that, but if you go back and he, there was a few other things that he did before anyone else did. And granted, they did not look as refined as their, um, that must've been do you think it was pre-WWF? Yes. It, absolutely. It, was. it had to be because Vince McMahon Sr., you know, once he got a hold of him, really took all that because he could move and do a bunch of stuff. He could do a drop kick. And yeah. he said, no more drop kicks, no more, you know, just, you know, throw guys around. Yep. You know, that's what I guess made him special in the American market. But yeah, he could move. Yeah. And it was actually incredible to see. And I think that just for the sake of anybody, like you should always watch tape in general, but you'd be surprised. Like Andre had some pretty incredible matches, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's most of the time people would pass it off like, oh, well, because I mean, by the end of his run, it didn't look like he could do hardly anything. Well, he couldn't do hardly anything by the end of his run. Yeah. I wonder if in the in the maybe early when did the french angel die do you remember the french angel i remember the french angel but i don't know the date of the death for the people who don't know the french angel uh was this guy with a different form of acromegaly uh the gigantism and it affected his head yes and his hands um and fun fact they based the character model of shrek off of this guy yes uh, just a bit, he had like a gigantic fucking head on a sort of mediocre. He wasn't small, but he wasn't, you know, Andre the Giant tall. And he had huge, giant fucking baseball mitts for hands. Yeah. But he wrestled mostly in the 60s. I wonder if he and Andre the Giant ever met up at some point. It'd be worth looking into. I guess I should have Googled it. <laughs> it's okay. We can Google <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. But, uh, Oh, I forget whatever I was. Andre the Giant was interesting because he was, you know, there was only a handful of guys who traveled around the country and were made special attractions. Andre the Giant, Dusty Rhodes, 
um, I believe superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. You know, not much more than that. Everyone else was a regional character where these guys would come in and, and shine you up. And then whoever was the NWA champion, you know, was a, an attraction. But ultimately, the, the title was the attraction. Yes. And uh, Andre the Giant obviously is the most recognizable, I think. Yeah. You know, he became symbolic. And I, I'm sure Shepard Fairey had something to do with that. Shepard Fairey. Wasn't that the guy's name who did the Obey logo with Andre the Giant's visage? It could be. I, I, I I'm my street art knowledge is not yeah, he's as a gra- sharp. He's a graffiti artist who made a series of stickers using the the image of Andre the Giant. Yes, and it just said Obey on it, you know, and those things became really huge. And it happened after I think well after he was gone from the planet and there was the andre the giant has a posse well that's the very first one yeah that's the very first one he did the later ones were more um angular Mm -hmm. you know um where it was more of a logo yes but yeah andre the giant has a posse i'm not even sure what that means well can't we all be a part of the andre the giant posse i guess would you want to hang out with andre the giant or would you uh, let me ask you this would you let andre the giant come over and hang out at your apartment or whatever. Yes. What if he said, I got to take a deuce? I would have to tell him to go out front. <laughs> and I would probably not let him shit on my toilet. <laughs> go out front. There's yeah. a couple of bushes out there. Here's a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Here's a newspaper and like dig a little hole and oh, cover Lord. it back up. It's like when I was in the military all over again. <laughs> uh, that's another thing. You know, this guy traveled around the country and across the ocean to Japan quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, the average American has increased in size. I can attest to that. My waist size has increased over, over time. <laughs> but, you know, that's how, like, when you look at, like, old saloon door like if you go to like a ghost town or something like the doors were really tiny compared to what doors are in an average house today yes because people were really uh, just smaller they were more in shape you know of course they didn't live past 60 but you know the uh, whatever uh seats were much smaller back then and this guy had to fly around i wouldn't be surprised if he flew privately for like, I, I, there had to be private jets that were able to accommodate him. No, I well, I, 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 it's no secret. The guy just had to buy two seats everywhere that he went. Right, and then the the sad part is if he had to take a shit, you know, the, someone had to get a, a bucket and pull a curtain because he certainly ain't gonna fit in those airplane or no. uh, you know airplane bathrooms. I hardly fit in the airplane bathrooms <laughs> for fuck's sakes. Or even like a just your average toilet. You know, he had to sh- shit in the bathtub. Yep. Exciting. <laughs> Which I've only done once. That involved a lot of liquor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I should take that back. I haven't shit in a bathtub. Actually, that's not true. When I was an infant, I did. I've accidentally shit in a bathtub when I had, like, food poisoning. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. My parents like to tell this story. When you were, you know, one or whatever, you dropped a deuce in the bathtub with all my brother and sister in there. 
Oh. Because, you know, that's how I roll. I just remember, so being in Vegas, we had a water park that was shut down but recently reopened in Wet and Wild. The original Wet and Wild. Oh, folks, you probably won't care about this. Just tune out for the next two minutes. The original Wet and Wild was the shit. Not only was I a teenager when I would go there and uh, they had some hot lifeguards and stuff. Yep. Which also led to one of my most embarrassing moments where I, I got stuck in the lazy river with a boner for about four hours. Because <laughs> I, I foolishly brought my girlfriend at the time. This is a pre-sexualized version of me. I must have been, I don't know, um, 12 or something. You, got, yep. you just don't have the control. And we were in the lazy river and just the body on body contact and that warm flowing water, <laughs> you know, because everyone's probably pissing in it. Yep. Uh, was enough to make uh, little Timothy Styles stand up. And uh, at a certain point, I did, I must have did like 20 laps. And she was like, hey, let's go over to the bubble up or whatever, one of the rides or whatever. And I was like, you go ahead. And I'm going to do a few more laps. But, and I'll never forget. <laughs> she looked back at me like, are you fucking high? Like, uh, And I was like, I really love this lazy river. This is the, the best. I didn't have the heart to tell her. I'm harder than a rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> and I can't get out of this fucking thing with a wet uh, bathing suit on. I'm fucked. Anyway, yep. I ended up being in this thing for several more hours. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, because that water doesn't stop moving. No. It's a lazy river after all. So uh, uh, I would re- remember going on school field trips, and while we were driving up, there would always be kind of like an over-under on, okay, this field trip is supposed to be for two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that we're going to make it the full two hours, or do you think we're going to get sent home in about 30 minutes because someone's going to shit in the lazy river? <laughs> And I think there was more times than not. And I've never seen a baby Ruth floating down the lazy river. They would, they would calmly just tell you, Hey guys, uh, the lazy river is currently closed. Get out before the shit catches up with you. Yep. And they would evacuate everybody. And then eventually I, I always would see the bobber. I would always see it. And I'm like, yep. You got bad is. luck because I I went there my entire child, childhood and never saw one. Yep, we we definitely had bad luck. Why did we bring up Wet and Wild? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you brought it up. I did. I can't remember what what that segue was for at I ru- all. I ruined it with my boner story. There it is. Eh, you know. Oh, we were talking about taking shits in the tub oh, with Andre okay. the Giant. That's an easy segue right there. That fit right in. Uh, you know, the, the male body, you know, people talk about male uh, toxicity. Is that how they put it? Masculine, yeah. uh, whatever Toxic it is. masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Uh, look, girls and effeminate men out there, we got no control over this shit. Yeah. Uh, a warm body is a warm body and a current is a, a current. And there's also circulation that's involved. Right. Let's just say I was at the mercy of my own hormones. It's not my fault. Yes. Don't hey. blame me. <laughs> Hi again, everybody. You know, this this thing is really getting kind of serious now. I haven't been able to locate Vanna White, and I, I was supposed to... Hi, Andre. Don't hey, my good buddy. Vanna, you get me. You get the giant, the only professional wrestler who's still undefeated. And Hulk Hogan... I'm proud to be it because now Ted DiBiase is on his way up. 
That's why he paid me for to keep you out of the tournament, Hogan. And you are. And I know one thing, and that's why the people go to know too, and that's why they go to remember. You are the ex-champion, Hogan. <laughs> well, there you, there you have it. I still haven't found He Vanna is White. the ex-champion. Don't worry about Vanna White. Now, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Kamenga is over. <laughs> hey, hey, how about getting your... How about getting your foot off my shoulder? There's Hey! Hey, before we end the show, you know, in the... I feel like we've been off for about a month. It's been a few weeks. About a month. We'll cap yeah. it in a month. Oh, yeah. Some interesting things going on in the industry, at least the major league industry. Yes. Uh, that uh, we should probably address i'd like to hear your opinions of uh, I, the first of the two is well maybe we won't have time for the second one we'll see but the first of the two is sasha banks and naomi uh, apparently walked into john Laurinaitis's office after uh, uh an episode of raw started handed him the women's tag team titles and said peace out we're we're fucking out of here yep and that was that and then the wwe would proceed to make a couple of public statements about it one while the show was going on uh essentially burying them and uh another the next week on or maybe it was that friday night on smackdown anyway do you have any thoughts on the matter well the so the news I was kind of following and then eventually I kind of didn't give a shit. I, yeah. I just kind of stopped caring. The one thing that I'll say is, is that uh, apparently it was a dispute on how they were supposed to be put in a match of something of that nature. And then news came out that Sasha Banks was only given the tag team titles to placate her because she was told she was going to get the woman's championship and mm -hmm. that didn't come through. And they put them in a situation that did not make logical sense. Right. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, independent contractors. Yeah. So, you know, they're independent contractors. So they're you were signed. They're signed up for it. I, I'm kind of up and down on it. There's a part of me that thinks that if you're put in a situation that makes absolutely zero sense, and I've been put in situations that have made absolutely zero sense. Do your business and then and then whatever. I always I always tell myself and I often tell people that are put in similar situations is is that you have to try to find a way to make this make sense. Right. And if you put logic into something that somebody came up with that may seem illogical and you're able to pull it off you're gonna pull a rabbit out of a hat everyone's gonna applaud and then you are going to be somebody that is viewed as this guy is easy to work with or this gal is easy to work with and but there are moments in time where you have to stand up for where, yourself. Where, where you do have to stand up for yourself and i do believe that everyone eventually has a breaking point and it's only speculative right. because we don't know all the information that goes into it. However, this is not the first instance of Sasha Banks 
being uh, labeled as a diva. Sure. So, you know, I, I can tell you this much right now. There's a huge part of me that is do what you're told to do. Right. Right. And do it to the best of your ability. And you should be thankful that you have your position. You should be thankful that you have a national platform. Right. You should be thankful that you have merchandise and people know your name, people, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Your household name. And it's like I said, I, I could not, I could wake up tomorrow and feel one way about it. And then the next day I could feel something completely different. Yeah. It seems from the outside of the box, looking in on the, the, just the, the rumors that I've heard and uh, you know, uh, that sort of shit. It's like, I think they, had a dispute with the fact that, or it seems like they probably wanted to do for the women's tag titles what Brian Danielson wanted to do for the Intercontinental Championship, which is actually give it some credibility. Yes. Not realizing where they were at, and uh, maybe they just don't know because they're not men, but uh, hey, tag titles over there, not really worth a lot, unless you're the Usos. Um, and I feel like they probably wanted to give those titles some credibility, and they were told to finish of the match, like, yeah, you're going over, and you're going to go on and face, you know, uh, uh, Bianca Belair, and you, you're going to go on to face Ronda Rousey. Then why do we have these tag titles? And I feel like that was their thing. And, and they, that makes logical sense. Right. And I feel like they probably went to Vince and he probably gave them the, yeah, we'll fix it. And they got the, they got the deal and said, but this isn't fixed at all. Mm-hmm. And, and probably were tired of being dicked around and said, here's your titles and we're fucking out of here. I don't know why Naomi would split. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sasha Banks, I kind of get because Sasha Banks, you know, and the four horsewomen. They are, uh, in my personal opinion, uh, equal footing. Yes. All four of them. Uh, Charlotte a little bit more because of her size mm-hmm. and some of the things that she's done. You know, this this gal has done, you know, corkscrew moonsaults to the outside on big events. And it's like, holy shit. Yep. But as far as workers go, all four of these gals are pretty fantastic. But for some reason in that organization... Um, post NXT, Sasha Banks doesn't really get elevated past a certain point and hasn't for years. Right. Uh, for reasons unknown. And she probably knows what she's really worth. Well, it's, it, she probably knows what she's really worth, but it could also be a scenario of Dolph Ziggler is kind of a mystery, right? But there have been little tiny clips and blurbs that have come up years ago mm-hmm. of Dolph Ziggler kind of saying some things that if I was him, his employer, I would probably be like, Hey, like, what are you doing? Right. So, well, I think there was a point when Dolph Ziggler cared. Right. And it was when people were really behind him, give this guy a shot with a title. And they, you know, I think they gave him five minutes with a world championship. And then that was that, which and is you, a shame. And you can only fight that so long, but before you just go, is it worth fucking fighting? Right. You know, I do like the money I'm afforded, you know, to, and I, I I'm okay with this lifestyle of traveling around and fake punching dudes. But, is it worth fucking fighting just to have this prop belt? 
And I think that that dude just gave up. And and if you look at his past, I think he filled the hole in his heart uh, where his success in wrestling was with stand-up comedy. Absolutely. Because he... He, I mean, he puts a lot of time and effort into that shit. James Madden can attest to that. And now he seems to lose all the time and has no problem with it. Yep. You know, the, those, those days of people chanting, you know, cause there, there's a time where people thought he was going to be the next HBK. Yep. But at a certain point, I think he just stopped fighting and went, fuck it. I'm just going to collect checks and do the Miz routine. Say whatever you want them to say, and or you know, and 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 just do whatever, just to keep making the money so he can retire at a younger age and live on an island somewhere, telling fucking jokes. And I'm sure he'll be just fine. I'm sure that he will. But for some people, and I, you know, especially for the women who, the history of women's wrestling is really weird because it, it involves uh uh the fabulous moolah who owned the women's, you know, the NWA's women's championship. And then eventually it was incorporated into the WWF, but she was training all the women. She was, she was uh, taking advantage of all the women in, yes. in, in multiple ways. Uh, and that when she finally retired, it was about the time, um, when the WWE was like, we're fucking done with women altogether, you know, and that whole side of things went dormant for a long time. They tried to revitalize it with this sort of brawn panties horse shit, the divas era. My goodness. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually playing SmackDown. Here comes the pain right now. And there's <laughs> brawn panties matches in that game. It's right. ridiculous. Right. Uh, but uh, once again, these, the four horse women, even though they weren't the first because the Gail Kim and, and over on impact, the whatever the, the knockouts division, they deserve a lot of credit. I couldn't name any of them cause I don't watch. I didn't watch any TNA. Yes. Um, but they deserve credit, but the four horsewomen really brought the importance of women's wrestling into prominence. And the, the you know, the reason why you might see a more uptick in, in women, coming to your uh, school um, is probably directly in effect from them. Well, there's it's, it's so hard because there's an uptick for a little bit. And unfortunately um, the turnover rate for female students is pretty high. Yeah. That, well, I mean, but that's always been the case. Yeah. That's not to say that they're the more fragile of the bunch, but you know, wrestling looks fun when you watch it on TV. Yes. But once you get into a ring, whole different fucking story. Once yes. you start getting those rope burns and mat burns and, you know, then you start taking bumps. Yep. You know, and then just some people don't have it. Most girls, I think, well, not most, but a lot of them are terrible at lockups. And I don't think there's a more important position to know right off the, the right off the bat. Yep. And there there's some there's some things that you have to adjust when you're a female and you're wrestling. Yeah. And I could go into technical stuff all day, but it's, it's something that whatever, uh, decision Sasha Banks and Naomi makes, I think, Oh, can I finish the point? Please, 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 please. The point I was getting at is, you know, Sasha Banks, the four horsewomen women are revitalizing a dead division. Yeah. Almost like a dead industry, women's wrestling. And, it's an uphill fight 
you know, they introduce tag titles for the women. That's great. But if you're going to treat the tag titles of the women like fucking nothing but horseshit, then why bother? Yes. And I'm sure she, you know, she she thinks of herself in a certain way, and she should because she's a draw. Yes. Um, and uh, I'm sure she thinks of women's wrestling in a way, and she should. And I think there that- there are some incredible and like the comment of dead industry. I mean, it's definitely not dead now. Like there's women's there's, wrestling. Yeah, there is a ton of amazing wrestlers, and. I don't even want to separate them by calling them women. Right. They, they, they're just amazing wrestlers. Right. It, incredible. Right. But she probably takes personal responsibility with trying to revitalize it. And now she's got to fight uphill because the bra and panties team has been reinstated. Yes. In their old creative positions. Yes. And hey, look, I'm with you. If, if you're an independent contractor, if you don't like the gig you were given, fuck these motherfuckers. Yep. And you got every reason to walk out of there. So I backed their decision 100%. Oh, yeah. Naomi, a little less so. I think she should be happy she's getting a check from anywhere. Um, but, you know, hey, Sasha Banks, she can fucking go anywhere. Oh, yeah. You know, um, and who knows what she's going to be up to. Anyway, that was my thoughts on that. We'll see what happens in time. The other thing I wanted to mention, because people won't stop talking about this, uh, and I care much less about it, is... Uh, MJF, have you heard or know anything about all this stuff? Oh, well, I... All the dirt man, sheet nonsense man, where they're tracking man, his man, flights. Man. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I don't... Listen, y'all. Yeah. Uh, Take a break. We're, 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 we're recording this after MJF's pipe bomb. AEW Dynamite, June... What's it? First? Yep. 2022. I guess if you want to call that a pipe bomb, doesn't he just drop pipe bombs every week? Well, he won. I think MJF is absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think he's intelligent. Yep. And I think that he knows how to work and knowing how to work does not start and stop in a wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. Knowing how to work his social media. Yep. His parents are in on the act. <laughs> you know, yes, they are. Um, and he's also very talented in ring. Mm-hmm. And ah, oh, man, you want to know what my favorite work promo, my work, my favorite work shoot promo of all time is? And it's not punk. Uh, hmm, uh let me think of all the all the ones in history. Uh, was it, uh, I don't know, Paul Heyman telling TNT or TNN, whatever it was. To- Joey Styles. Oh, Joey Styles Joey quitting. Joey Styles quitting Monday Night Raw and basically telling Jerry the King Lawler that he's an idiot and that WWE is a stupid company that doesn't let him actually say the names of moves because he's not supposed to be commentating professional wrestling. He's supposed to be storytelling. Right. And, and there, one... Realism always sells. Yeah. Right? So what better way than to fabricate reality? Six months ago, WWE called me. I didn't call this company because I was looking for a job. I didn't need a job. WWE called me because they had humiliated and fired again Jim Ross. 
So I get JR's spot. And from week one, week after week, I've got an ongoing lecture about the differences in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. I'm not allowed to say pro wrestling. I'm not allowed to say wrestler. I have to say sports entertainment and refer to the wrestlers as superstars. I'm told to deliberately ignore the moves and the holds during the matches so I can tell stories. Well, ignoring the moves and the holds is damn insulting to the athletes, the wrestlers, not the entertainers who leave their families 300 days a year to ply their craft in that ring. So here's the best part. Because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller, I get pulled from WrestleMania. And the reason I'm given is, is because I don't sound like Jim Ross, who was the guy they fired in the first place. That makes sense, right? So I swallow the bitter pill. I'm a company guy. I get bumped from WrestleMania. Then I get bumped from Backlash? I'm not good enough to call Backlash? In ECW, I called live pay-per-views on my own. Solo, no color commentators dragging me down. Wasn't done before me, hasn't been done since. But I'm not good enough to call Backlash because I'm not a sports entertainment storyteller. Well, you know what? I am sick of sports entertainment. I am sick of male cheerleaders. I am sick of boogers and bathroom humor and semen. And I am sick of our chairman who likes to talk about his own semen. He mocks God, he mocks God and makes out with the divas all to feed his own insatiable ego. I am sick of sports entertainment. And most of all, I'm sick of you fans who actually buy into that crap, this sports entertainment circus. I never needed this job, and I don't want this job anymore. I quit! I'll give you my quick two cents, please. And it's startling to see the likes of Dave Meltzer, who's someone who's been around the industry for a long time, and Brian Alvarez, and any number of these sort of dirt sheet goofs, you know, trying to get information on this guy's flight. Oh, he was here, you know. You know, it's like, are you guys fucking idiots? Yeah. This guy is a master worker. And he he strikes me as someone as hyper intelligent. Yes. You don't get to be that good on the stick unless you have the brain cells to rub together to to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're that smart, you know that the idea of going to the WWE. Yeah, it's good if you want to make money and that's the only thing you want to do. 
But there's also something about in, having the freedom to increase your own uh, uh, brand. Yes. You don't get that freedom over there. You would have to be an idiot, which is why it was so weird that Cody Rhodes left. But you would have to be an idiot to go, I'm leaving AEW to go to the WWE because I think I have a better shot of being a, a big deal over there. Right. He's great. But if you if the old man, you're, you're not on his buffet list, then, you know, you, you just don't get to make it. Right. And you don't get the freedom to just speak your mind. But in AEW, you, you clearly do. I, I understand Cody Rhodes' return to WWE. Uh, I understand it. Yeah. I don't agree with it. Yeah. And I also, there's a part of me that doesn't agree with it because of the stance that you took. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. How, however, um, the part of me that does agree with it is that it was actually probably a smart move because now Cody Rhodes is seemingly on his way to be at the top of that company, which was originally one of his life's ambitions. Sure. So congratulations to you. Um, if that is in fact, what is happening? I, I don't know that it is right now. I know he's, he's, you know, having a tiff with Seth Rollins. I, you know, that's what's been going on since he went over there. Yes. Does he go higher than that? We'll see. Uh, you know, that's that's the part that's up in the air because they'll treat you nice when you get over there initially. Yep. You know, they're happy to have you. Hey, look, you know, we're, we're, but eventually you might be in some dumb mixed tag team match for no reason whatsoever other than for you to fill in time between maxi pad commercials and Snickers commercials. Yes. You know, that's time will tell. Yes. And, and it really boils down to what's in the old guy's head. Yep. And, but just because I don't want to, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble here. Y'all. Sure. Um, I, I enjoyed the promo. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy the angle and How about the mere fact that he's speaking into a microphone on AEW dynamite television should be your first clue. Like, Oh, of course it's all a work. No, duh. Yeah. What the fuck? Because if you actually have problems with the company, you they don't give put you the a live titles, Right. You don't put the tag titles on the office and say, I'm out of here. Right. When you have an actual problem, like when you have an actual problem, that's what you do. Right. But regardless, I think that MJF is probably due to feud with punk. Right. And it's most likely going to be for the title. Right. And we will end up probably seeing the torch past. Right. And once again, I don't even want to say that out loud because <laughs> I would just rather have everyone draw the conclusion on their own. I just wish people would just watch things instead of trying to find out more about it. Exactly. Just, just, just watch it and enjoy it, man. Like you don't need to know what's going on backstage. And oftentimes I don't care. Right. I don't and care. It's infinitely less interesting, honestly, if if you have good storytellers. Yes. Uh, I think AEW riddled with great stories right now. They certainly have a great roster. Yes. You know, I've, I've very rarely in the past, I don't know, months and months seen a bad show. Yep. Uh, I'm not interested in every single backstage aspect. And, you know, a lot of these dirt sheet guys have proven themselves to be wrong on some occasions. And I feel like I can't say whether this is one of them or not, but f- 
fucking take a break. You're too close to the forest to see the trees. You're not enjoying this. You're ju- you're more concerned with shit that doesn't concern you than what is going on on the television. Honestly, I was surprised yeah. that he even showed up tonight because uh, when he got carted off on a gurney with a neck brace on and a uh, oxygen you know, mask oxygen, over his eyes, yeah, upside down over his. <laughs> By the way, if he's better than me, because I probably would have reached up and went fix the oxygen mask, asshole. And- yep, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I saw that in the arena as it happened on the Titan Tron or whatever. I wouldn't be and surprised went, if that was some type of gag. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that as some type of inside rib. That's funny. Yeah. But if this is the kind of shit you're concerned about, give it a fucking rest. Right. Because you've lost the plot. You should be enjoying these fucking stories. Yes. And... It's clear that you're not. You're more concerned with wins and losses. You know, wins and losses matter, but they're not everything. Getting over matters. Yeah. Some people are over and some people ain't. And he is. Some of the most pivotal moments in my wrestling career have come from losses. And it's the... I didn't look up the ending to Batman before I went to go see it in theaters. Right. I bought a ticket. I sat down. And I watched the fucking movie. Turnbuckle Boogie is a Diva Looter production and is produced by Timothy Styles and Cody Hancock with web production and music provided by Timothy Styles. For more information, go to turnbuckleboogie.com. And for booking information on Cutthroat Cody Hancock, go to cutthroatcody.com. See you next Monday.